Welcome to this MoneyWeb special podcast. My name is Raik van Ikerk and today we will look at a significant development in the freight transport sector which has been flying a bit under the radar. It is the announcement made back in 2020 by the President to allow private sector rail operators to use Transnet's extensive rail network in South Africa. This was a significant structural reform and it is probably on par with the announcement that the private sector may generate up to 100 megawatts of electricity without a NERSA issued license. James Holly is on the line. He is the CEO of Traction, a private company offering rail freight transport services in several African countries. He's also the chairperson of the African Royal Industry Association. James, thank you so much for joining me. This announcement was big in 2020 and it did receive some airtime at the time, but since then it did fly a bit under the radar. What has happened since 2020? Rick, thanks very much. And it's a pleasure to talk to you. There has been quite a lot of development, actually, from the time of the announcement in 2020. As area, we have formed a subcommittee of the board to look into the practical implementation of third-party access. And through that project, we have been engaging significantly with government at various levels um, on the implementation of the structural reform. And um, the buy-in from government has really been remarkable, pretty much across the board, in terms of driving the implementation of this reform. Operation Bulandela has obviously been formed and, and they have identified it as a priority project. And the last engagement we had is that they were targeting implementation of this reform around August this year. Transnet have announced um, that they will uh, complete an accounting exercise into the costing of their network so that they can translate that into pricing for the slots on the on the network by the end of March. They've also said that they will do pilot project on, on third-party access by the end of 2022. And that pilot project is, uh, we believe, targeted for the container corridor, um, which is the old NATCO line between um, Durban and Joburg. And then we've also seen, um, Transnet have also said in the interim results presentation, they also announced that they would be doing this. So I think there has been quite a lot of development. As, as you said, it might not have been quite as publicized as it could have been, but we certainly are heading in the right direction. So when will we see the first private sector-owned uh, locomotives and rolling stock on Transnet's infrastructure? I really believe it'll happen this year. Uh, I do think that there's a, a really strong interest from government to implement it. It's really low-hanging fruit, you know, Rake, because the, we've got such an extensive network in South Africa and the utilization of that network is really low, which means that you can turn this huge network in South Africa into a revenue generator for Transnet. So it is something, so from a, a network capacity point of, the, of view, there's no requirement on the fiscus to invest in it. And then through the association, we've got Weber Wensler on retainer providing us with legal advice. And their legal advice has confirmed that no new regulation is needed in South Africa in order to implement this. So what that means is that it's a reform that practically can be implemented really, really quickly. And what is required now is for private sector operators such as ourselves to sign access agreements with Transnet and then to bring on trains. Now, to bring on trains, from a, a theoretical point of view, it can get going quickly. So when you say, when will the first trains come? I do think you, you'll probably see the first trains running in South Africa by the end of this year on the core network. The question is, when can you really do that, that, this at scale? And that's, that's a, a slightly different proposition. That, in that 
requires raising significant amounts of money, and that requires extensive locomotive and wagon build programs over the next couple of years. It takes about 18 months to manufacture a locomotive. So um, that sort of gives you a sense of, of when we will see um, this policy starting to run out in, in scale in, in South Africa. Yes, it takes 18 months, and it is also really expensive to manufacture a locomotive. How big is the private rail industry in South Africa? Well, not very big, actually. You know, when you think historically that um, South Africa, despite its its enormous network, you know, we have uh, about 36,000 kilometers of installed track. Transnet has between 21 and 23,000 route kilometers. Um, we have about 85% of Africa's track is in South Africa. Our network is incredibly uh, almost the same size as Deutsche Bahn's famous network in Germany. And despite all of that, and with the first train having run in South Africa 160 years ago, the private sector has not accessed the core network, which means that private sector rail operations in South Africa have been limited to private networks, um, such as that you find in the platinum belt and in the gold fields, shunting work, maintenance work, subcomponent parts supply, but not the heavy mainline rail operations that you'll see by private sector companies in most other countries around the world. And with most of Africa's rail track being focused in South Africa and with the track networks being relatively limited outside of South Africa, the private rail network in Africa is not, or the private rail industry is, for operators is not as well developed as what you would think. We're a 35-year-old company. We operate in seven African countries. And um, outside of Africa, we do mainline rail operations. But this certainly is going to be a real landmark moment for the private sector in railways on the continent and, of course, in South Africa. Could that then offer opportunities for international firms to invest in trains and locomotives uh, to run on our network, as opposed to the local industry stepping up and, and taking on all the available capacity? I think it'll be both, Rick. I think that there's such a big freight opportunity in South Africa to grow the rail freight industry. You know, the, the area study came back with a number of about 58 million tons. Similar studies have been done by universities in SA that have come back with a, a number of about 73 million tons of freight that wants to move from road to rail if the rail capacity existed. Okay, To put that number into perspective, that would require, by our estimates, an investment of about 45 billion rand into locomotives and wagons. So we're talking about a massive freight body that wants to move across and a huge investment in locomotives and wagons. And that's before you unlock a potential structural bottleneck to growth in the South African economy and unlock future freight volume opportunities through economic growth. So... I think it's going to be both. I think you'll see private operators really taking the mantle and stepping up and taking up this opportunity. We most certainly have plans to do that. But I also think due to the extensive network that we have in South Africa and due to the relatively large freight opportunity, I think you'll start seeing the internationals having a look and finding South Africa a much more interesting proposition than it has been for our history. Obviously, this represents some discomfort for Transnet because the opportunities that are available, and as you've just outlined, they are significant. You know, Transnet's inefficiencies and other problems, you know, have limited the organization to actually offer the services which they could. What is the attitude from Transnet towards this structural reform to allow private sector, you know, trains on the railways? Look, I, I think from what you can see in Transnet that there certainly seems to be a commitment to do this. The, the fact that they have said that they're going to do a pilot project this year, they, 
the fact that they um, are also have said that they're on track to complete this study into the accounting separation of infrastructure and operations to price the slots for us as operators onto the line. So they do seem to be committed to doing it, which is really encouraging. I think the fact that there's a lot of pressure from government as well is, is also contributing to what should hopefully be the timely implementation of the, the strategy. But we as industry really think that, that Transnet is going to be the biggest winners of this policy shift. At the moment, they have this massive network and only a small percentage of the capacity of that network is being utilized. But Transnet are responsible for the maintenance of that whole network. And that maintenance obligation, when you're only using a small portion of its capacity, is a huge financial burden on the organization. So when you turn this huge network from a financial drain into a revenue generator, you have the potential of turning Transnet's financial performance really around and getting Transnet to motor financially. And of course, all of that revenue that is generated then from the access fees or the toll fees from private operators like ourselves accessing the network can be reinvested back into the the backlog maintenance if there is on the network and improvements to the network. And then the success of this policy becomes self-fulfilling into the future. This huge network that we have in South Africa, that is a potential massive competitive advantage for our national economy can really take hold. We've seen many news reports and very disturbing videos of massive destruction of transnet infrastructure. You know, many railways and and, uh, stations have been stolen. What is the condition of the freight rail part of Transnet's network. So remember that Transnet and Prasa's networks were separated out into different entities. And Prasa is responsible for the, the intercity metro rail network, and then Transnet's responsible for the freight network. Transnet's network is really vast, at somewhere between 21 and 23,000 route kilometers. Prasa's network is quite a lot smaller at between 2,500 and 3,000 kilometers. And it's really the Prasa network that has been really, really badly vandalized, particularly during the COVID period when the trains came to a complete standstill. And they've been trying to recover ever since then in terms of trying to replace the overhead networks within Prasa. The Transnet network is in significantly better condition. They do have problems at the moment, particularly with with cable theft and and some vandalism, but uh, the Transnet network really is in much, much better condition. And when we compare the condition of the South African rail network to the networks where we operate successfully in Africa, the South African rail condition is still much, much better. It's not to say that there isn't some investment needed and some potential for growth into the future, improvements in the future, but it certainly is in a condition that we would be comfortable as an operator to make a success in, in our operations. You don't expect significant maintenance to be done before the private sector could you know, start using the rails or the infrastructure? No, not at all. We'd be ready to operate on the condition of the network as it is tomorrow. Road transport is a, a big business and a big sector in South Africa. How will this affect road transport? Look, the implementation of, of this policy and the build programs are going to be it's going to be phased over a number of years so it's not like um, there's going to be a freight body that's going to disappear from the south african industry overnight i also do think that the rail industry and the road industry do operate hand in glove there is freight that is well suited to rail and there's freight that freight bodies that are well suited to road even in the world's most advanced economies with the most efficient rail systems in the world the the rail freight market shares is only around 40 percent so trucking is still going to have a huge um, role to play in the south african economy 
I do think um, that in South Africa we have instances where we have freight that moves on road, which we wouldn't find in many other countries around the world. I think that there are freight bodies in South Africa that would most certainly move to from rail. But I also really genuinely believe that rail capacity has historically been a structural bottleneck to growth in the South African economy. And that opening up um, extra rail capacity is going to unlock opportunities in the South African economy for growth, which is going to increase our freight markets and in turn create opportunities for both road and rail. So I actually don't think it's going to have a hugely significant impact on the road trucking industry per se, um, certainly not one that's going to be felt immediately. And I'm also really confident that you're going to see extra freight bodies are going to be coming on and stimulation of the South African economy for the betterment of everybody. So the N3 between Joburg and Durban will remain a very, very uh, busy highway, especially with uh, thousands and thousands of trucks using it every day. Yep, absolutely. It's going to remain extremely busy and it will remain an extremely important artery for the the freight movements in South Africa. But at the same time, there is a huge amount of freight, of freight that, that consolidates in the south of Johannesburg and then is trucked. Those freight bodies that naturally consolidate are freight bodies that are very well suited to rail transport. So I, I think that we will still see a lot of trucks on those roads, there's absolutely no doubt, um, but I, I do think we're going to see a lot more trains too. How much cheaper or more affordable is it to transport freight via rail than on the road? It really depends on what the freight body is and what type of freight you're moving. There, there are certain freight bodies that are well suited to road, and in that instance, road will be cheaper. And there are freight bodies that are well suited to rail, and in those instances, rail will be cheaper. So it, it really depends on, on what you're moving and how rail-centric um, that freight body is. But as a general rule, if it's a freight body that naturally consolidates, um, that's a freight body that rail should be cheaper to move and should provide that important competitive advantage to our industry by providing a more efficient and cost-effective rail solution. Could you give us a few examples of uh, what type of products would be better suited to be transported via rail? So the first and obvious is bulk freight. So, And we've seen that in South Africa with iron ore and coal moving almost exclusively on rail. So bulk freight is something that naturally is very well suited to rail. In South Africa, we do see a lot of bulk transport also happening on our roads. Those are freight bodies that are pretty well suited to rail, depending on where their origination is and where they're going to and the distance of the, of the movements. Container movements also are very well suited to rail, particularly container movements where freight consolidates. And the big ICDs, for example, that you see in the south of Joburg, that type of freight is well suited to moving on rail. A lot of agri-products, things like grains and timber and even sugar are very well suited to rail. Automotive products, cars around the world move extensively on, on rail. And then uh, hazardous chemicals, very well suited, and liquid bulk, also very well suited to rail movements. So I, I think that, you know, in South Africa, in a global perspective, we have a relatively small economy. Uh, we do have a, a pretty freight-centric economy. And as a consequence, there's a, a large body of freight that moves in South Africa, which in turn creates this really interesting opportunity for the rail sector in the future. Our economy is also dependent on commodities, iron ore, coal, chrome, and, and the like. And many of the operations in South Africa are limited, uh, or the capacity is limited, because they can't export these ore bodies um, you know, efficiently and in certain quantities. Would this liberalization of the railways offer them the opportunity to expand their operations and to produce more? 
really interesting, Rake, if you look at the international precedent, in the time that in South Africa we've added 55 million tonnes of iron ore export capacity, Australia's added about 900 million tonnes of iron ore export capacity. And in the time in South Africa we've added about 67 million tonnes of coal export capacity, it's added about 350 million tonnes. And they've done that in collaboration with the private sector, with the private sector also running trains. I do think, therefore, that there is scope for potential collaboration to significantly enhance our commodity export. But really, that's going to be something that Transcend's going to have to decide and drive into the future. The freight bodies, as things stand, are really interesting across the board. You know, whether we look at agri-products, whether we look at containers, auto, has chems, which are historically part of the general freight business in Transnet, or whether you look at coal and iron ore, there's interesting freight bodies and interesting freight opportunities across the board. It's really now going to be up to government to decide and Transnet to decide how they go about implementing this. And as a private sector, we're really standing behind it and, and we're ready to move. James, thanks so much for your insights today. I think this is a significant development and hopefully can lead to accelerated economic growth and hopefully not in the too distant future. Absolute pleasure. I, I really believe it will. You know, and at, at the end of the day, the rail services that we provide are an enabler of the upstream economy. And I do think that uh, we will see some new industries developing and, uh, and growth in our industries as a consequence. That was James Holly. He is the CEO of Traction, a private company offering rail freight transport services in several African countries. He is also the chairperson of the African Rail Industry Association.